You're listening to the Grossed Out Podcast with Rob Gross. It's me. I'm Rob Gross. All right, welcome to episode four of the Grossed Out Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Gross. Uh, I am super stoked to talk to my guest today, a super good friend of mine, um, I, I'm just going to read his bio. He wrote it, so I'm going to try to change it around from the eyes to he. So let's go. Today I'm talking to Chris Enriquez. He is the brand partnership manager of Project M, the owner of Revolver Magazine, Inc. Magazine, and The Hard Times, which I love so dearly. He also plays drums in the band Spotlights and Primitive Weapons. He plays guitar in the band Total Meltdown and is the founder and co-host of St. Vitus Bar's Age of Quarantine web series, which I'm a huge fan of. And today we're going to discuss one of my favorite bands as well as his, Quicksand. Chris Enriquez, welcome to the Grossed Out Podcast. Thank you, my friend. Thank you very much. You know, I love doing this, so Hell yeah. I'm, uh, I'm stoked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. It's you know, it's 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 funny because the one thing that you didn't put on your your bio or boilerplate or whatever is that you are the host of five, not annual, but just whenever they happen, Rob Gross extravaganza dinners. Oh yeah, that's right. So speaking of being good friends, I just love when you come ba- uh, back to New York because I know you're a New Yorker, and mm-hmm. uh, we we both like to eat well. And yep. uh, and we love the nightlife. Um, we do. So we have uh, we have a great time when you come down here, and we always uh, we always make sure it's not just one event. Sometimes it's three <laughs> events. Sometimes, Sometimes it's uh, you know drinks, dinner, uh, a show, uh, a, or a bar. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that can happen. What what I love is that it's two hardcore dudes that are like just kind of going this weird route their own ways and we meet together to eat a seafood tower at uh, at vandal in new york <laughs> hey you know what Hard- hardcore and punk rock people like nice things too you know what i'm saying you know what it, it, you know it, it's it's so true especially if you if you understand like um chef and cook culture that it's which i'm not saying i'm some kind of expert on it but you know we're, we're all friends with with cooks and chefs and it's it's probably the profession that's most similar to what you and i do absolutely and also let's I'll, I'll tie it into what we're about to get into, but you know the hardcore and punk rock stereotype of like you know the early sort of Sid Vicious junkie type uh, folks. That whole um, sort of that whole way of thinking and lifestyle was kind of uh, you know not to take away from the Washington D.C. scene, but if you talk about New York hardcore, you have Crow Mags, you have John Joseph, the uh, author of Meat Is for Pussies, and also has got a <laughs> cooking show. Um, but half of the guys in a lot of hardcore bands from like Shelter, Quicksand, Judge into another, um, Youth of Today, Bold, they all worked in health food stores, uh, the, since the, uh, eighties, you know? So that's, so amazing. A, that's a huge culture, part of the culture, you know? Well, and it's so funny that you mentioned into another, cause that's, I fucking love them. And, and I, I actually listened to Creepy EP for the first time in probably, I don't know, 10 years today, it holds up, man. It's like, that is like a, a solid little chunk of, of, uh, I mean, it's, it's like a time and a place, but that record really does hold up. That band's amazing. I couldn't agree with you more. They're one of my favorite bands of all time. I, uh, you know, you and I are the same age, so we grew up on similar stuff and it just kind of blended a, a, a mixture of the, uh, eighties sort of hard rock, the good stuff. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, 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 um, and the post hardcore of the '90s, you know what I'm saying? So I, totally. I, the, you went, you went old school. I, I always go seamless or ignorance, but that's a good oh, one too. It's it's because I got this slipcase version of it, or, or like a cardboard sleeve of it, as a promo. 
I don't even remember where some, you know, sometime probably in the, in the, in the mid nineties or early nineties. And I, I've, I still have it. And that was my introduction to it before you could just go find records. Like my local record store in South Florida, although very cool, did not exactly stock all the revelation stuff. You wanted Queensryche bootlegs. That place was your fucking spot. But if you wanted like, <laughs> you know, early Wilhaven demos or you wanted, you know, uh, whatever, it, it just bad brains records. It wasn't quite as as easy to get. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's funny you mentioned that, too, because I just uh, uh, I saw you liked my photo from about five minutes ago. I just yeah. got home from Generation Records and it's just uh, astounding that. That is still there. Knock on wood. I'm yeah. literally going to knock on wood because it's the same place that existed when I was in high school and uh, put on headphones on featured CDs that said X members of this or uh, oh, yeah. on a Revelation Records. I would automatically assume that I might like it. Totally. It's, it's and, great. And and you know me. So that that's a shop that I love. One, I've seen a ton of good in-stores down there. Like the, the one I remember the most was a very odd one with Steve Brodsky. And I mean that in all the most complimentary ways. Going through his like long hair bearded phase was awesome. And, but that, <laughs> that's the only record store that I know that has like a house cat. And I love going to that store and like petting the cat. I mean, I'm sure the cat's gone at this point. But <laughs> I didn't see the cat today, yeah. but who knows? Basement I did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I did. I did uh, TMI, but I, I, I have a friend that works there that let me use the um, employee only bathroom. And I almost felt like I was going into the CB's bathroom for oh a second. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we could, I, want to, I want to do a whole episode on like just seeing at some point, seeing shows at CB's, even like in the later days. And it just never got any cleaner. Like I remember seeing Typo and Hayden. <laughs> breed in the early to probably 2003 four or five maybe and wow. it was just still fucking disgusting and wonderful like just like, oh yeah you know you could smell it all and it was just yeah you know absolutely anyway absolutely. so um this I, I thought about this after we talked about i'm like hey let's talk about quicksand amazing let's do it let's let's show respect to you know one of the best bands to ever do it and while i was you know, saying this to you, it didn't dawn on me until this morning where it's like, holy shit, I'm super entwined in the quicksand kind of legacy in a way uh, with you, funny enough, um, mm -hmm. through um, through White Widow's Pact and that whole situation. And like and the, and um, basically working for Dynalone for a number of years, which, of course, is one of the best quicksand songs and one of their most known songs and um, was pretty amazing to work for a label that was named after a song from a band that I, that I dig. Absolutely, man. And uh, I think that uh, one of the reasons why I thought this would be a great idea is because they get props to some degree, but not really on the level uh, nowadays as time goes on, as I think, um, you know, you hear bands like uh, Fugazi or, um, or Bad Brains. I mean, I mean, even, even those bands, it's still sort of underwhelming, I think. Um, but Quicksand had a huge impact on uh, a lot of new metal bands. Mm -hmm. Not that they were a new metal band, but I can um, attest to that just from, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to like flex or name drop, but like <laughs> being in our industry, I've spoken to obviously, uh, you know, Deftones is an obvious one. We all know those are uh, huge fans. I've spoken to them at length about that, and Sergio's in the band. But um, you know, when I well, we'll talk about this later. But when I toured with Quicksand, I remember. Um, people from uh, Unwritten Law coming out to the show and Papa Roach. And um, so it's just like people of all different uh, genres within punk and hardcore um, and uh, metal. Um, and, and Anthrax, of course, are big 
uh, Quicksand fans, they covered one of their songs in the uh, Damn Thing. So, oh, yeah. You know, um, and I could be wrong about this, but I think a long, long time ago, uh, when Tool was still kind of a new band, I feel like I remember reading somewhere that they were influenced by Quicksand. I could be making that up. But, I mean, um, dude, th- there's yeah. definitely similarities between Undertow and Slip. I can hear it in the drum production. I mean, every- everything was really dry at that point, too. Like, Bad Motorfinger yeah. was dry. But Yes. But, yes. like, there's something, too, that when you hear that, it just feels like like home. I, I mean, I'm a drummer, too. I mean, obviously not as not as um, as worldly as you, my friend. But but, <laughs> but, 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 like, you know, like, at least for me, I can kind of live and die on a record by the drum sound, especially especially the snare sound and that they always had this really warm yet kind of um, cardboardy sound, but it worked. I love it. I mean, I know people will, you know, I know a lot of people uh, that uh, I wouldn't compare it to the St. Anger drum sound, but like almost like kind of gawk at like the, uh, uh, at the manic compression uh, sound um, that hate it um, and just prefer uh, slip. You know, yeah. but I, I liked that bad motor finger sound that is kind of uh, similar to uh, to the manic compression sound uh, personally. But, you know, it's a sign of the time. That to me is the epitome of like the 90s. It just sounds like the 90s to me. I love that. It does. Know? It really does, actually. Yeah. Um, so I guess l- let's just start at the top. I mean, I- I'm actually super interested to hear this from you. How did you get into the band? Like, how did I- I'm-, I'm guessing a lot of people had the seven inch found the seven inch um, and, and they got in through the EP. But I'm curious, since we're the same age, how did you come to find this band? Okay. This is a funny story. I didn't even come prepared or really think too much about this. I don't, I don't, answer. I don't want you to, I want you to. I want... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I was watching headbangers ball mm-hmm. and uh, this is before I ever went to a hardcore show or even knew what hardcore was. Um, and it was uh, probably 1993, mm-hmm. uh, right when um, it might have been earlier, but uh, slip, it was probably Slip, I'm going to guess. So let's call it 93. So I'm about 12, 13 years old at that time. And uh, they're on tour with White Zombie and Anthrax, um, right. all New York bands. Um, people forget that that uh, that White Zombie is a New York band which is kind oh of yeah funny. they were like a sonic um, they were like a sonic youth kind of situation back like before yeah they were just Caroline. a fucking noise band. yeah they were like a psychedelic band in the lower east side mm-hmm. you know um but uh i thought it was cool that you know I, I they showed everyone backstage and like behind the scenes and ricky rackman was talking to everybody and then they showed these guys with short hair um and there was something immediately relatable to me about that and stood out we're coming out of the 80s uh and at that point i'm totally into motley Crue and uh poison and guns and roses as a young yeah. child sure same. and then you see these guys who i didn't realize were actually from where i was from in long island they're the, a bunch of them not all of them but tom capone mm-hmm. and alan cage are long island guys so it made sense there was something about looking at them the way they were dressed um that like was just like oh i can identify and um one of the videos came on from Slip. Uh, it may have been Phaser. I was going to say Phaser, yeah. Probably, yeah. And I never uh, heard anything like that before, and it spoke to me. It was really compelling. 
you know? Totally. I mean, like you're basically describing the way that I discovered Helmet. I discovered Helmet watching Headbangers Ball, seeing the unsung video and what obviously heavy as fuck. And I guess I don't know what it was. I just always loved groove that bands like Quicksand, Helmet, Far, Willhaven that those bands had that it's like hardcore didn't always have to be fast. And that's what I loved about it. And then it also had like singing, but it kind of was shouting sometimes, but it worked in a melodic way, at least to my ears. But that's what stood out to me is like, look at these four guys like these these guys could they I could see them like riding the bus and it would be totally fine. And they're a headbangers ball and that. That was the motivation I needed to get into bands, even though I had long hair and, you know, was the total metalhead. It was quicksand, helmet. Those bands changed my perception of, I could do this. I, I like this. Look at these fucking dorks. I could do this. Absolutely. Yeah. And like you mentioned Far and, and Willhaven, both great bands with some similarities that I love. They're uh, from Sacramento yep. and obviously Deftones are. There must have been something over there that uh, that helped spawn that style that was similar to New York. But New York, I know, obviously you and I are New Yorkers, that the, um, the hardcore in New York um, was the first kind of hardcore to ever exist with Groove, which mm-hmm. I think is constantly um, sort of mentioned as a derivative of, of hip-hop being a New York um, style of music that was invented here. So when you put on, uh, you know, the minor threats of the world and all the great DC stuff like government issue, like there's no groove there. They're great no. bands. There's no groove there. Chromags, there's groove. Um, Leeway is groove. Oh, and, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and all the youth crew stuff, uh, which is, you know, the story of quicksand, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think that Walter had said in some interviews, um, that hip hop absolute and you know Sergio is a hip hop DJ. Um, that there that hip hop is an absolute uh, influence on them, and you can hear it in the beat, you know, in Alan Cage's drumming. Oh, totally. I mean, it, for sure. And, and again, same with Helmet. But I'm a huge John fan, so I, I don't want to dork out. That's a whole other episode. Yeah. But um, so. You know, when it comes to usually when I think about these questions, so like the last episode I just did, we talked about Bruce Springsteen and I'm not a huge Bruce fan. But after the episode that I just had, I I, I, I start to see myself kind of relate to the at least lyrically him a bit. But he has a breadth of work that spans 50 years. And when we're talking about quicksand, we're talking about a very unique situation. We have an EP, we have two full lengths and then a break for 21 or 22 years and then a new record a few years ago. So, you know, uh, Interiors, amazing record, definitely sounds more like a Rival Schools record, which is totally fine. There's some gems on that record. But out of those first two, what's the one you prefer? Uh, slip. You're a slip, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I love both of them, and that's why I hesitated, but uh, Slip is the obvious winner here. It is. It's a better record. I think for, like, and I guess it ties into it because, to me, with, with such a, a small catalog to work with where everything is a banger, pretty much, it's like, to me, it's like, okay, well, which, which record has my favorite songs? And for me, it's Manic Impression because it's Landmine Spring that is as good as the the genre or subgenre gets as far as i'm concerned again it's an opinion it's like an asshole but <laughs> but that's that's where i'm coming from but yeah i mean look i'm in the my everyone says slip like i get it it's a fucking amazing record i mean the just the 
the order the, there's only some records that exist in the world um that uh happen to flow in such a way that you wouldn't change a thing and if you just so, and maybe it's obviously a bit the way that we hear it because um, that's how we get it in the first place. So it's hard to imagine it in another way, but it really rings true with Slip. Like every song goes into the next one so yeah. perfectly um, and you don't skip a song on this album. There's just, there's no song at all that you would possibly skip on this record. No. And it's 12 songs on it. And well, totally. And like, it's so crazy that both of these records were major label records. And and that was definitely a sign of the times, too, because like during this time, you know, whether it was the explosion in Seattle that caused all these bands like Helmet, the Melvins um, to get signed to major labels, like the the deal I always think about. And as a as a fellow industry person, you know, it, it, it always still blows my mind that Columbia picked up earache records in the nineties and put out like several napalm death records and carcass. And like, <laughs> it's like, what the fuck were you guys thinking? And, but the output it's so backwards. Cause the output of some of these bands on major labels are clearly their best works. Like to me, the Melvins, those three records they released on on a major on Atlantic were their best records, and oh, yeah. and you know Quicksand, you know only having those two at the time, fine. But same with Helmet, and there's there's countless other bands at that time that released absolute gems, giving into the system, and it just doesn't make the '90s were just fucking wild. The '90s were wild. I was ta- I've been talking about this a lot with people, um, just because obviously. We're products of that time, and we love records like Houdini by the Melvins yeah. and uh, Stoner Witch. You know, Stoner Witch, uh, any Sonic Youth record, and so and and when I listen to those records today, especially, you know, you don't need to work in the industry, but because we do, it's uh, it's pretty wild to sort of process that. Like, you could be listening to like Experimental Jet Set by Sonic Youth, mm-hmm. and then like fucking some like weird experimental, no pun intended, mm-hmm. song comes on, and you're like, how the fuck was this on a major label? Dude, or totally. Like, how the fuck was Scratch the Surface by Cyclidol on fucking the same label that put out En Vogue that same year? Oh, I know. I was you know actually I mean? gonna bring this up in the previous in the previous um question <laughs> segment or whatever, where Biohazard released three records on Warner Brothers. Three, yeah. like yeah. two failed miserably. <laughs> or, no, it, it was two. I'm sorry. They released two and then ended up back on Roadrunner. <laughs> but it's like, it was just this cash in and they were like, okay, cool. Pick up Sick of It All. Pick up Biohazard. Uh, it, it's just insanity that these bands, I mean, I, I'm so thankful they did because uh, for a lot of people, myself included, like you, you, that was your ticket to the underground. Like for, for, you know, for me, it was... That's where I just I discovered COC on Headbangers Ball, not on mm-hmm. Blind, on Albatross, on Deliverance. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" It's like Black Sabbath on steroids, <laughs> and that caused me to get into you know a plethora of the bands that I still love to this day. But nothing has ever topped that experience. Like it's like I'm I'm constantly chasing the Albatross dragon. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the thing that is mentioned in uh, every sort of podcasts or or any kind of documentary talking about this era it's and i've you know i I don't want to speak for the band uh but um i've heard walter say this in interviews and i think it um rings true for all the bands we're talking about all of these bands got major label deals because nirvana got big that's just a fact you know that's none of these bands that we're talking well okay let me take that back soundgarden and sonic youth were on majors sure 
but I think the floodgates opened up even more. Um, and I know, you know, just from uh, listening to some interviews that Walter has done, uh, you know, it's like people are looking at underground from the punk scene and they want their next Nirvana. Mm -hmm. And um, it's it's interesting now to look at, in my opinion, this is the, where I'm going to throw my opinion in, like, you can't, if you put on Nirvana, right, it makes sense. You put on Pearl Jam, it makes sense that, uh, or Soundgarden, like that you're going to have a stadium filled with maniacs, um, uh, people of all different backgrounds and lifestyles um, who are going to sing along, you know, in an arena kind of way. Mm -hmm. You can't really, you know, and you think about these great records that you and I like that were on majors that didn't necessarily um, end up uh, filling arenas decades later and it makes sense and it's fine but quicksand amazing band uh i i will listen to those records until the day i die but you know the i think rival schools if anything had uh some songs with some choruses that could fill arenas and and, and i don't mean that this is as a diss this is my, one of my favorite bands that's why i want to talk about it but yeah. um the same can be said about um uh the melvins the same mm -hmm. can be said uh, about many great bands that you and I love that ended up on majors. And I think that, uh, I mean, I don't want to get off track here, but no, I think that's, let's, let's, uh, let's go for it. It's your, this is your show, man. This is your night. <laughs> it's uh it's, it's a great, great thing that these amazing bands got these budgets to make records that we love. Mm -hmm. But, um, but it also makes sense why, uh, um, you know, the major label sort of, uh, renaissance for, for these great bands had a, um, uh, you know, a, a tick, a ticking, uh, uh, what an expiration on it is what they, I'm trying to say. Yeah, they, they, they did. And it was, it's, it's nuts because, you know, and you'll really appreciate this when I was working at Interscope for the second time. So not in New York, but out here in, in LA, um, I, there was a box of, of, of shit left over from, um, one of my good friends, Diana Cass, who's like the greatest product manager in the history of the business. She helped, you know, she broke Lady Gaga from nothing to everything, worked the All-American Rejects, Queens of the Stone, you name it, Nine Inch Nails, she was there for it. And she, when she quit, there was a box of stuff by her desk. I don't even know if it's hers, but there was like an original pressing of Jimmy World's Bleed American in there. There was all this cool shit. And there was like Campfire Girls, like... There was either. Oh, yeah, I remember that band. That band was amazing. It was so good. You, you and I are the only people, other than, well, it was Scott Weiland's band. He's, that's a whole other story, and he's dead. So, um, it, which is, you know, RIP, so on and so on. <laughs> but, but I'm just saying that, like, there's three people that have existed on the planet outside of the Campfire Girls and know who they are, and it's me, you, and him. And it's, but, but, <laughs> but, but Interscope was built on these gems, like, Drive Like Jehu. Helmet. Yeah, Quit. dude. Campfire. Yeah. Like, the, the, it's, and then obviously Queens, Nails, you know, even, you know, down to Snow Patrol, Beck. There was a, there was a legacy there. And, you know, all these bands had their day. And yeah, there is definitely, especially in the streaming age, there is an expiration date where it's like, okay, cool. Like, you know, we had a legacy. It, it, thank you very much for your time. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and now we're going to work with this guy and it, it's uh but look, it's, it's all good. And I don't think quicksand would have, would have made too many more records in that, in that system anyhow, because it kind of petered out in whatever semblance of mainstream success they had and forced them to, you know, force them. But I mean, Walter has made so many good records with so many bands that mm -hmm. it just, the guy, it, it just, it seems like a never ending well of, of creativity for that guy. Actually, you know, I should, 
I'm going to, I'm actually going to take something back that I said, um, <laughs> because I, I just realized something. There is a unreleased quicksand major label record that I've heard. That's uh, some songs are on YouTube. Some of the songs made it onto rival schools. Um, and, Oh yeah. I got um, the world's fastest car. Yeah. And now that I'm thinking about that, I they if they stuck, if they stuck it out, they actually could have survived in the direction they were going in because the post manic compression album that was never released um, was leaning more towards um, upbeat rock music with choruses um, mm. and, and essentially what you got with rival schools, which ended up on a major label. So um, so I'm going to take back what I said. They, were, <laughs> they would have survived, uh, but, um, you know, mainly because they think they were they were changing style. A little bit you know that record that they put out after manic compression or that they recorded after manic compression that never came out yeah. um did not sound like either of the first two records it, it, it was it was pretty different i gotta go back to it i have a rip of it and i gotta go back to it because it's been years since i listened to it because i remember i was a college rep in jacksonville florida in 2000 2001 that's how i met mark shapiro that's how i met the roadrunner crew and austin and every that's how i i kind of am where i am now for you know better or for worse <laughs> and and it was working rival schools as a college rep like setting up listening parties and you know taking them the budget universal would give me and throwing a house party with my girlfriend and all of our friends and like putting up posters on like my bathroom door and pretending it was a venue. <laughs> like, you know, sorry if anyone's listening that gave me that money. I sincerely apologize. <laughs> but um but like seeing rival schools on that tour in the club that my band was playing, still open, um Jackrabbits in Jacksonville and Thursday open when they were still on eyeball, like these crazy tours, shows were amazing. And it was really cool to see where he'd gone in those five, six years since Manic Compression, but that that world's fastest car definitely fills that that gap for sure yeah yeah i i have a i have a controversial opinion by the way on mm. like what i i don't know if this is a bad thing to say because it's kind of weird because we know these guys personally you know all of them right um and and i'm sure that um you know because of that they're going to be listening to this but <laughs> in in a in a weird way um just as a industry professional i hate that word but you know what i mean i do um talking to managers looking at bands that that ends up getting huge and you know all that i just feel in my opinion if i was like if i could go back in time and i was a manager and i was managing uh these guys i just you know you see a lot of like billy corgan for example mm -hmm. billy corgan <laughs> took the smashing pumpkins into and axel rose it, with Guns N' Roses, these guys took their bands into different lineups and different directions. It didn't always please the fans. Um, you're always going to deal with that, but they did it, and it preserved um, the brand of the of the you know the the band, um, and they kept it alive. and uh, And eventually, you got reunions out of it, and you know some some of them you didn't. Uh, Nine Inch Nails is essentially based around one guy, right? Um, you know. So my point is, and you might see where I'm going here, is in a weird way, feel like um, quicksand. I feel like I feel like world's fastest car and rival school should have been called quicksand the the entire time, and that like the quicksand record that came out on Epitaph should have been reunion. Uh, you know what I mean? That's oh, how I yeah. on a professional mm -hmm. level. I feel like it if it had gone that way, that they would have been, uh, you know, potentially a, a you know a band that was like. 
you know, I, I don't know if they'd no, be headlining the Garden, but like, you know, you know what I'm saying. It might have just been a different story. No, it's actually really interesting because that it, it completes. I know it's like different people, but that, that I think that's what you're getting at, especially when you compare. I've actually never thought of this. So when you take United by Fate and then especially Petals, which is such a beautiful record, yeah. that has more in common to me sonically with Interiors than the rest of the Quicksand Arrival School's catalog, and they're obviously closer in, in 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 on the timeline than any of the others i mean you listen to you know like my boss where i work now is a huge fan of all of all, you know all this whole scene he's a little older than us but this was his scene and he worked these bands at like mammoth and all these you know he, he has stories and stories and we talked about this when it came out um about the interiors record that the track cosmonauts i mean th- there's some of the most beautiful songs on that is it cosmonauts or astronauts am i like talking no about no, no. cosmonauts that's a that's one of the best songs on that record i love that it's such song. a yeah, it's cosmonauts sorry it's been a day um it's such <laughs> but it's such a beautiful song and like i don't think quicksand would have been able to write that song in 1995 and it took the journey of getting you know, and again, I don't want to. It's so weird talking about people that we know. <laughs> like it's such a weird thing. But I, I don't think he could have done that back then. And I think it took that maturity and songcraft to get to where he is now. Be it like with Walking Concert, or you know, I was fortunate enough to work the Vanishing Life record, which is fucking amazing. It's a really good project of his that doesn't get enough shine. No. And I know you love Dead Heavens oh, too, dude. Dead Heavens to me is like like you, you get all these bands that are trying to be no disrespect to them, but these bands that try to be stoner rock bands that try to feel like Rancho de Luna, Joshua Tree, Twenty Nine Palms, and they've nailed it and they're like four dudes from New York and all, all, all these bands that like live in Joshua tree that aren't Caius and aren't like Brant Bjork in some way just can't. I, I think that dead heavens nailed it. That feels like driving on 15 out to Joshua tree. That's what that record. So I think that's why I connect with dead heavens so, so much, but yeah, it's a, it's just a really cool journey that I think Walter has taken sonically throughout the years. And um, it's just so good to have them back, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, well, you know, I listened to your episode with your wife talking about Pearl Jam and uh, everyone knows Pearl Jam doesn't sound today uh, the way they did when they started, which right. is the same thing with Soundgarden, same thing with a lot of bands. So, um, you know, it, it, it would have been fine I think if they continued through different lineups for the sake of, uh, you know, I guess on a, I'm not saying that, um, that they like, I don't want, I want to be careful with what I'm saying here. Let me, let me just say this. I just think that, that, that the band could have been, um, a, a, a way bigger band. Um, and I know that's not what's important. What's important is the music and we have that, but you know, I I, I I wouldn't have been mad as a fan if that's what he decided to do. But I think uh, ultimately what matters to me is that all the music is great. And all of it, I mean, all of it is fantastic. Um, you yes. know, one, one, one interesting theory that before we move on to anything else from that is that yeah. I, the, some of the, because some of the songs on the unreleased full length ended up being World's Fastest Car songs that then ended up becoming... Uh, rival school songs that's why those two bands to me should have just been the same band with a different lineup because it was Mm. it really was the same songs and i feel like it progressed into um again you're comparing um stuff on the new record to rival schools i just yeah i just think it should have just been the same band 
Totally. I mean, I, I've, yeah. it, that, I'm so stoked we're talking about this because I never really thought, I don't know. I just never really, I connected the dots, but then I didn't. And like, cause it, you, I don't know. I put on the record and then I'm like, I, I'm quicksand's one of those bands that I don't think analytically about where like a band like helmet, I think about it as a musician and quicksand. I'm just listening like with helmet. I'm like, how is his right foot doing that? Or like, how does page make, you know, a simple drop D chord but you try to play it and it's like, wait, fuck, he's actually using like all five of his fingers to do something to make it sound like an open E. Like I, it just because he's, yeah. he's a jazz guy. So it's a whole other fucking situation. But uh, there's actually a question that I'm so st- I, I, this is like I haven't had the chance to ask somebody this yet in this kind of way where I'm always so curious to talk about, you know, especially the last episode with Bruce, where we're talking about live versus studio. Same thing with Pearl Jam, live versus studio, where it's like there are fans that only like the live band or only like the band in a live setting. And, and you know, some artists like Tom Petty was such a wonderful studio musician. But you have this unique experience where you toured with Quicksand. So, oh, man. Yeah. So can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. I just want to also mention that I got on the tour because they're so friendly and I noticed that they didn't have an opening act or, um, you know, maybe I think they had one and then it fell through. And um, I didn't go through the normal channels of hitting up an agent or going through that. I I sent a DM on Instagram to Walter and I didn't know him that well. And that's how I got on a a, a tour uh, for for both of my bands. (laughs) It's so funny because before you tell this story, I didn't know that. But also I remember an extremely fun night. Maybe it was the first extravaganza dinner where we ended up it probably wasn't though but we ended up going to see the struts at the bowery ballroom and um it was a fucking great night and i remember that i ended up getting walter into that show because i just dm'd him and he was like yeah sure no problem and then we walked into the venue and i had totally forgotten throughout the course of the trip that he was going to be there and he's there like this legend of the new york hardcore scene between like you know youth of today gorilla biscuits and he's at a (laughs) he's at a glam rock show beer in hand singing all the words and it's like where the fuck am i and how rad is, like does everybody else see this am, am i stroking out like this is so fucking cool oh man i was obnoxious that night i have a lot of pictures uh from that night with him and uh he has showed up with my mentor uh and um i was i'm i'm sober now but i was obliterated and i remember walter um, I don't know if he just, I don't know if he realized that the guy that he came with was somebody I'd known for decades. And I remember he looked at me, you know, when you're fucking with somebody that you know really well, and, yes. and, and if people don't know, they might not really, I remember Walter looking at me and Hey, Chris, have some fucking respect, man. Oh no. <laughs> it was cool though. But, uh, yeah, well, it was definitely wrecked. Yeah, that, that, that was, that was definitely a fun, I mean, look, I was on my game. I had to work, but I, I remember it being jam packed, which God, I didn't think I'd miss people touching me left and right, but I fucking do. And I remember getting into my own kind of <laughs> situation that night, which we will not get into, but, um, for the, for the sake of a small circle here, but, um, but yeah, t- talk to me about what it was like. Well, tell me about the tour. Like well, who, what other bands were on it? How long was the tour? How is it watching them every night? That was amazing. Um, you know, my band spotlights, uh, ended up, uh, and my band Primitive Weapons both ended up splitting um, the opening uh, of the tour uh, for Glassjaw and Quicksand, which was a co-headline. They they mm-hmm. took turns based on the um, uh, based on the market on on who might have uh, a more of an audience in in a certain uh, area. Um, I did not play drums for Primitive Weapons on that tour. Tucker from um, Thursday filled in for me, and so uh, and so like Spotlight started 
the first few weeks, and then it was finished out by Primitive Weapons. Um, but um, yeah, it was amazing. Um, obviously, uh, Glassjaw is a different story. Amazing band, one of my favorites. Uh, they're from where I'm from, Long Island, New York. So that was great. Quicksand was an absolute dream come true. Never thought that uh, you know the band that I discovered on Headbangers Ball that I would be touring with them like that. And uh, they are just uh, as I thought they would be from, um, you know, I've known Sergio for years because uh, not well, but got to know him better on that tour. And I toured with Deftones prior to that. But he's a local DJ uh, down the street from my place uh, uh, in when I lived in Manhattan for a couple of years. So I'd see him around. He's always down to earth, super chill. Alan is so nice and um, uh, talkative. And, uh, you know, you, you don't know if these artists that you look up to are going to want to talk to you it couldn't sure. have been um further from the truth alan talked to us every day all the time he hung out with us uh, the most out actually actually out of anyone in the band um not not that, that you know i'm just saying he just happened to, to to hang out with us a lot um and so we enjoyed that and um and walter was fantastic always uh looking out i mean he he got us on the tour but always looking out making sure everyone's having a good time and uh you know things are going well but um yeah i i really uh uh miss the presence of tc3 uh tom capone on mm -hmm. guitar but i understand what it's like to be in a band and um uh i know that there are politics so you know i thought walter did an excellent job uh doing double duty on the record and on um, and at the shows and it was uh inspiring um to watch those guys play every night um it's like Sergio is an unbelievable bass player. He is unbelievable. He really no, is. He doesn't sound like anybody. He sounds like himself. I'm so thankful that someone like him is in a band as big as Deftones yeah. um, uh, so that he could show what he's made out of because all those quicksand songs on Slip um, and uh, Manic Compression, Landmine Spring, mm -hmm. Phaser, um, uh, 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 Delusional, it's all oh, yeah. listen to the bass man come on and um and fucking uh alan cage no one plays like him um i've heard walter totally. compare him to bottom but he is somebody that you cannot really replicate he has a subtlety you're a drummer is mm -hmm. a subtlety to what he does the way he hits drums everything about the shit that he does is just um yeah so i mean i was in awe i was and and sarah from spotlights i think uh you know at, at least one or two moments. I don't know if she actually cried, but she definitely wanted to um, a few times. And I, I, I never didn't watch their set from start to finish every night. Man, that's just so awesome to hear because, like, they, they came out here and I'd been, I believe, on a work trip to Nashville. And I came back and I saw my wife for, like, an hour or two. And she's so understanding of this ridiculous industry that we're in and what we do. And... It's always like extra special where I was like, hey, you know, I, I'm going. She knew it ahead of time. I didn't like spring it on her when I got home. Like, hey, I'm going to see Quicksand in five minutes. So I, I landed at home. It was like a Saturday. So I've missed the whole weekend and uh, you know, or Sunday and went straight to the Terragram for the initial reunion tour shows back in like 2017 or, or whatever it was. And 
you don't usually get that here because it's such a New York thing, but literally every fucking hardcore dude that, you know, obviously the, the, the female ratio is way less at a quicksand show. I think it (laughs) probably changed over the years, but it was like, it was like a, it was like a family reunion of seeing all these people from like Orange County from even here in LA that you just never see that specifically everyone was out at this show. And it just felt like it, it was such a special night. It was just so cool to see them I'd never seen quicksand before so it was so amazing like I like I, I oh had, wow yeah I had a chance in college it was um it was like quicksand it was like my favorite bands all touring together like a bunch of it was a quicksand snapcase and then this band from Australia that I loved and everybody else hated called Grinspoon and <laughs> maybe helmet too it was like the wildest tour and I of course missed it. I you know I couldn't make it happen, and I never got to see them. So being able to see them in a room with a bunch of friends as an adult to appreciate it was just it was just like otherworldly. And they sounded, you know, I, I hear the bottom comparisons for Alan for sure. Like his, just the way he commands that band on stage. It's like almost like he's the um, he's the ringleader. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And let me tell you something too. I know what you're talking about with like the reunion of people, because especially in New York. I have three particular instances, uh, but uh, number one, I have to say this. I saw them on the reu- the original reunion tour in um, 98, uh, I want to say, or 99. And um, they had only been broken up for a short period of time, but they got back together and they opened up for, for Deftones at Roseland. And I think the Jesus. other band was uh, like Metro Shifter or, or, or Pitch Shifter, uh, some Pitch kind of shifter, shifter band. Some shifter. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Some shifter band. Pitch Shifter. Amazing. <laughs> oh, was it, was it, okay. So, so they, um, I got to tell you, man, and I've had people look at me like suspect when I say this, but um, if you, if you ever saw quicksand in the nineties, it was not like seeing quicksand today, just like, you know, um, seeing like a Foo Fighters show or, or a Queens of Stone Age show or anything back then was different, but especially quicksand, it was violent, um, at their shows because it's a, it's hardcore people right. from New York going off. That was the most violent show in my teenage years that I ever saw. And I had seen, Agnostic Front, Murphy's Law, Cro-Mags, sick, sick of it all. It it was a gigantic fucking pit uh, with thousands of people and nowhere to hold on for dear life with arms and fucking legs flailing around everywhere the minute they started playing. Dude, and, um, yeah. it's, it's amazing. It's like, I, I it's, it's so funny you say that because I always think, like, you know, not that this comes up so often, but with our group it does. And it's like the most violent show I ever went to was Primus with – Buck 09 and Power Man 5000 opening <laughs> in 1997. I got the shit kicked out of me protecting these <laughs> these two girls that I that I went with that were friends of mine. And I just put I held the rail and put my arms around both of them and just like my back and my arms were bruised and I was beat the fuck up because like I didn't obviously I was too young to like go to see Primus in San Francisco in 1989. I didn't you couldn't just go on YouTube back then to see how fucking violent those shows were. But I just did not expect that kind of violence during (laughs) like Buck 09. Like, get the fuck out of here. It was so violent. Well, also like Primus. Well, well, let's not get off topic, but Primus was a it's funny that they're like kind of like almost like a hippie band or their fan base is kind of like hippie like nowadays. But um, yeah, Quicksand, I like I went 
I was uh, playing in a band called Runner Up, with uh, which turned into Take Mac Sunday, and the bass player, I would think, mm. sorry, the guitar player Eddie Reyes, the founder of that band, he was with me. He's a pretty stocky Colombian hardcore dude. He got uh, he got a concussion and knocked out within the first Quicksand song at that show. Holy shit! And I was in a I was in a circle with big fat fucking like just big dudes. You know, like we had each other's back, but he got knocked out. Um, and, uh, it's not like that anymore. Um, no quicksand show I have ever seen was like that. I would say like it stopped like during like the, 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 the 2012 reunion, uh, I think it was when they got back together again, it was a big deal. And they played uh Barry ballroom and people were fucking going off. Um, but, uh, you know, the tour and, um, you know, most shows with a few exceptions, uh, best New Year's Eve ever quicksand at St. Vitus. That was kind oh, of man. similar, but like, you know, it's, it's died, it's died down a bit. You know, I'm not saying, oh shit, sorry. One more show uh, that was pretty nuts was Converge and Quicksand at House of Vans. People were going off. So, oh dude, so, yeah. I yeah. saw footage. I mean, I think it might've been you or Xena like, on your Instagram and it was like, oh my God. And it's like, it hurts me to see that now. Like, yo, our backs fucking hurt. Like we're old. Like <laughs> it's, it's not like I've had back surgery. Like I can't just go pit like whenever I want anymore. And like, I wasn't exactly ever like, you know, your typical, uh, hate breed windmill fucking karate dude anyway. <laughs> But uh, but that it, that's just wild because you listen to a band like that and you just don't. I think now it just maybe it, it feels more tame just if you don't know what it was and you put on headphones and listen to like Manic Impression or Slip and it's like, oh, this is heavy. Yeah, I fuck with this. But I don't think you think that that's going to be like going to see Lamb of God. But if it, it, it was. Yeah. And I mean, actually, Lamb of God covered quicksand. So there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> on, on, that, I mean? on, that, on that Burn the Priest um, covers comp. Yeah, and uh, you know, and and there's a lot of bands like I interviewed um, Black Dahlia Murder, and the uh, lead singer's favorite, you know, one of his favorite bands is uh, Quicksand. So it's like they had such a huge impact on 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 aggressive music. It's hard for people to kind of make that connection now, but uh, you know, put on YouTube, you know, you watch Helmet or or or, or Quicksand. Um, those were some fucking serious pits um they really were and i'm not saying that they stopped pitting at quicksand i'm sure they still would but i've seen them in just so many different uh you know two o'clock in the afternoon at like like a danny wimmer festival with people you know kind of watching them with their mouths open um and uh you know and you're like jesus you know (laughs) (laughs) uh this is not like where i want to see these guys uh playing there's nothing like seeing quicksand in new york city that's what i'm going to say is you got to watch them in their elements. It's it's the best. At some point, I hope to. I mean, like I, I saw Vanishing Life like nine times at South By a few years ago. And it was, you know, it just felt filthy and dirty. And, and, and in these tiny little rooms and that band, obviously having dudes from Trail of, De- Trail of Dead, Rise Against, Bad Religion, it just felt felt right but yeah one day quicksand in new york it'll happen yes i mean i hear i hear they're still uh you know gonna work on new materials so fingers crossed amazing fuck that'd be amazing so um <laughs> so if you were gonna get somebody into this band let's say that somebody like you know was like oh you know i've never heard of this band where do i start if you had a song as a starting point a song not the record where would you start them omission <laughs> oh yeah, you like you yeah. like how I said that that quickly. Omission, <laughs> you're like right from the top. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you put on omission, and you're gonna get every epitome of what quicksand is all about because it's it's a uh, it's 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 a true post hardcore track. Yeah. It's um 
there is footage. I, I would kick myself if I didn't mention this. If you go on the it shows what a dork I'm with the man, uh, when they were called Moondog, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and then eventually became Quicksand. There's footage of of Quicksand playing uh, songs, including Omission, um, in in a very traditional hardcore fashion. Meaning uh, Walter is singing and not playing guitar and 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 walking around like a hardcore singer. Oh, and, weird. Yeah, Charlie from Civ is playing guitar with uh tom capone and sergio and alan and uh and uh omissions on the ep it's on slip it starts out with a bass line there's feedback you can almost hear the hand claps and people fucking hitting each other right from the bat just when you put it on you can imagine it um and then as soon as alan drops that beat it's just fucking on there's you, you know people are hitting the floor picking up the change they're fucking <laughs> picking up. You know, that's my favorite, dude. Yeah, you're picking up the change. Up that's, the change. that's my move. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, if I see that, I'm picking up the change. Or you got, you know, back in the day, people um, doing the, uh, you know, like in the biohazard punishment video where everyone's jumping in unison. Oh, totally. You know, that thing. Well, that, 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 it, 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 I love that, like, it made a quick resurgence for those of us, the few of us that know, in the blood video for Candiria, where it's like in the breakdown part, it's like, oh my God, this makes me feel so good. It's like, let's put on a fucking beanie, <laughs> put the hoodie over the beanie, hang out with like 15 fucking dudes and five women that can kick all, all of our asses and just fucking fucking go like pick up the change it was great it was great i'm getting breakfast with john from canzeria tomorrow oh, <laughs> so <funny. laughs> oh, oh man that, that's awesome uh well that, that was that was easy and like that actually um it makes me th- i was like i wanted to ask you this um where you think about a band like quicksand and also orange nine millimeter same almost trajectory in a very strange way two records f- that that were preceded by um by the EP on on Revelation and oh, yeah. and they were to make such a fucking impact off of just a small body of work where you know obviously it's a money maker for Revelation I get it you just bought the merch drop I I like I I get it but it's like that's insane they they made such they could have basically done what Inside Out did again Revelation and then called it a day and it would still be revered to this day. We would still be talking about Quicksand to this day if they never followed it up with those two records. That I feel that it was that important. Yep, and props to Revelation too because they just hit hit it at the right time with all this stuff. Like these are gems, man. I I like if if quick like you said if Quicksand. I I mean put it this way. I buy Inside Out merch today from Revelation Records. I will buy that shit. Yeah, I will buy all that stuff. You know what I mean? And uh. And if it was just an uh, EP, I would still be talking about how great this band was. Uh, there are EPs by bands in Revelation that no one fucking gives a shit about or talks about, like a band like Statue, for example, oh, yeah. which is like X members of Chain of Strength. Like, and I still listen to that and talk about it today. Um, you know, I just feel like uh, um, we're talking about music, by the way, that um, people either love and they're in it. Or music that had an impact that people don't even realize bands they listen to uh, wouldn't sound like uh, without it. I mean, uh, I don't think that Taking Back Sunday uh, sounds like uh, Quicksand. I mean, maybe Thursday does a little bit. But any fucking bands that are influenced by either of those bands, which there are many, they're just uh, a, a, a part of the Quicksand family tree. They just don't know it. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's a really good way of putting it, man. It's like it—it's just so important. There's, I think, there's going to be a time where 
people are getting influenced by bands like Quicksand, Failure, Faith No More, etc. All of our favorite bands, and they're not even going to realize they're being influenced by those bands because they're being influenced by a Taking Back Sunday or um, you know a Corn or whoever that picked up the influence from the bands that we all grew up on. It's gonna be it's gonna be two generations removed. And I think that's just such a weird thing. Hopefully in the age, hopefully that's a benefit of the age of streaming that everything is so easy to find and so easy to connect the dots in a family tree kind of sense that that won't happen. But that's just crazy to me that you could be so influenced, have that groove and think that you're getting it from somewhere else, but they were influenced by the band you're actually getting it from. And that's what's so special about this um, this stuff is that you 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 can tie so much stuff from uh, Quicksand to having ex members of Burn, another great band, and um, you know all, all, like and Youth of Today and Gorilla Biscuits. You listen to like the breakdown in um, Start Today. That mm-hmm. is so, that could have been a Quicksand part, and I, I you can't say that about uh, a lot of styles of music. You know what I mean? Like, right. um, you know, sure, Dave Mustaine was in um, in. Uh, I mean, I guess you could say about metal in a, to a certain degree with like Dave Mustaine was in Metallica and Kirk was in Exodus, but like, you know, pop artists, um, you know, it just doesn't, you, you don't have these conversations. Like all these guys were in each other's bands, inspiring each other. They're still friends. It's like, it really is a family tree. And, um, and it's interesting. It's just, it's just fascinating stuff. I could listen to podcasts uh, like the one that we're doing right now. Uh, I listen to podcasts about this kind of stuff. I read books on it. Um, uh, maybe they consider it useless information. I could care less, but I, I find it fascinating. I love no, it. No, it's not useless because, like, look, we're sitting here talking. Not that this is some big deal, but, but I mean, I'm hoping that, look, what I want people to take away from this is, like, like I'm taking away something from it. So, like, I didn't know you know, 90% of what I learned about Bruce Springsteen last week. And I hope that somebody that listened to the podcast and maybe they were pulled in through Pearl Jam or through Bruce is going to listen to like the Misfits podcast I did with Vieira or this or a few of the, these insane ones I have lined up. And it's going to be like, oh my God, like I was pulled in by this other band and now I, I absolutely need to check out this band because dude said something like, so fucking insane about this other band, like describing how you described what it's like to be at a live show, like how the pit is and how it feels and how it smells. I hope somebody listens to this and is like, man, I want that. Where the fuck yeah. is, where has this been? That's, that's the goal here. I want to preserve, um, you know, I'm, I'm all about preserving the history in the same way that like Ian McKay at discord, you know, Ian McKay, yeah. he's an archivist. I feel like, uh, you know, I just started using that word a lot more recently because it had dawned on me that that's what is actually happening when you listen to podcasts or buy vinyl or commemorative merchandise is that it's like essentially preserving something that's important uh, or or archiving something, right? Or a re-release of something. Totally. You know, you and I weren't around for Black Flag. We weren't around for the Sex Pistols or Mm -hmm. the Clash. Quicksand... And Gorilla Biscuits and Judge and um, all of these bands that are part of this should be um, should be that way for people in younger generations. And I know they are because when you go see these shows, there are young kids there. But it it, it needs people like us that are getting older to pass down this info. You know, I wouldn't have known the history of the Youth Crew or any of the uh, the DMS bands or any of that stuff mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, 
if if somebody wasn't fucking documenting and doing something. That's why I'm so glad that you know Godfather's a hardcore uh, is on Showtime, mm-hmm. and, you know, or that you can go on Amazon Prime and do this stuff. So it's a small thing that we're doing that could have a bigger impact depending on who gives a shit and looks this up and wants to listen to it. Dude, it's you, you said it perfectly. That's exactly that's so succinctly that word um how <laughs> how it should be talked about it's art and it's and it's it's like this time capsule that hopefully somewhere down the line someone picks it up checks it out and then starts to dig and dig and dig and that's that's i mean that's how we all found bands we bought one cd because we saw a fucking video of headbangers ball or like 120 minutes and then we went then we went to work you know absolutely and what's more most important to me is it's outsider culture i still think it is and that's important it is because it is yeah you gotta they these this is bigger than music these are you know these are scenes that are counter cultures that have um messages and politics and uh different uh things outside of this horrible mainstream uh culture and society that we are uh uh, just watching uh, grow and grow even more worse than 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 our wildest imagination. So I think that totally. um, that this is uh, important stuff. You know, it's not just music. You know, I I could not agree more. And look, man, on that note, I think I think let's wrap this up. I I had the best time talking, dude. I am so stoked because <laughs> my last my last work trip was to New York, was hanging out with you in February, and then the world just took a shit, and um, it, it just you know this felt really good to to kind of do this and to kind of you know reconnect with you and hear your voice, and um, you know everybody, please follow this man on Instagram. It's a, <laughs> I, I, it's it's I, I feel like we get to see each other more because of our collective um, whatever it is uh, that we that we do to kind of keep every everybody in the loop of our lives on, on social media and, you know, please check out his total meltdowns. Fucking awesome. Primitive, thank you. Primitive weapons. Spotlights is just, you know, it's like a a dream to listen to. So Chris, it was awesome to have you on the podcast and um, man, I can't wait to see you again. That means a lot, Robin. You know, I've always felt that you were the one of the, uh, the, the, the good ones out there. You know what I mean? Mm. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I can't fuck up now because Chris Enriquez has said I'm a good one. <laughs> I what I mean is that there's a lot of, uh, especially um, um, you know, in the entertainment industry, it's rare that you find uh, genuine people that uh, give a shit about uh, you know th- things that are real. And I think you and I can uh, connect on that. So I appreciate that, and this is awesome, dude. Totally. And, I, and, I'm, and on one last note, we're not going to out any names or say anybody here, but you. You know, this is this is my favorite thing conversation you and I've ever had is that (laughs) is that it's so telling when people like you or me who have this positive outlook when it comes to trying to, you know, there's so much negativity in the world and we we try to keep at least keep our circle positive um, is that we hate the same three people. And we didn't <laughs> we, we, we didn't know we hated the same three people. And then we had like, no pun intended, a fucking revelation at a dinner here in L.A. We're like, wait, I hate that fucking guy, too. Oh, it, it, it was. But it, to me, it was so important to have that chat because it was like it's like we, we love we, we love all these people. And to, to, to have this like not hatred, but like this disdain for the three same people is just that, that that's just awesome. Well, I'm in this industry to connect with people and this scene. I hate the word industry, even though I use it. I'm in this scene to connect with people that I can relate to that uh, I want to surround myself with and uh, and meet more people like that and, and build 
uh, build upon that, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and oh, appreciate yeah. music and art. And so that's what I get to do with you and it transcends. So, uh, yeah, much love to you, man. Thank dude, you so much. Likewise, man, Chris, thank you so much, dude. And I will hopefully see you very soon. I hope so. My friend, right, take, it, take it easy and stay safe out there. You too, man. All right. Bye. Bye.